Welcome to the Locals Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Liang. Today, we got a very special guest. For the first episode, we got the big homie, Juan Valentine. You know him as a father, barber, yogi, um, shoot, Lululemon brand ambassador. Man, what else am I missing, Nathan? Man, uh, that's kind of just what I do, you know? Uh, Like all of us, there's more to me than just those things that you mentioned. But yeah, man, that's pretty accurate. A lot of people in the city may know me for one of those things. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. So, yeah, we're re- currently recording his uh, new workspace at New Living. Yeah. Fresh off of a party to celebrate it about two weeks ago. Yeah, it was pretty yeah, cool, yeah. man. We had a nice little turnout. Yeah, bro. Set the vibes. It was dope. I could tell it was uh, everyone was just really impressed with just, like, everything you you got going on here. Your vision came to life. You know. Yeah, man. And this was special for me because this is actually the first time. Like, I was able to put a whole space together just with my creation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, all the times I collabed with somebody, it was I was just fitting into their little space. But even though this, this room is pretty small, I was able to put a whole lot of, like, my ideas into it, just from the flowers to the damn sheepskin rug that we're sitting mm-hmm. on, you know? Yeah, literally so, from the ground up. Yeah, so it was a blank canvas. Uh it was like a little dirty office space, dirty carpet. You know, what was cool about it, it had real good walls, good bones, like the rustic feel, I like the beams, exposed beams. So it kind of gave me a little bit of an industrial look. Yeah. Um, but I was able to kind of step away from the modern stuff that most people are doing. And that's why I got a whole lot of colors and textures. Yeah. So like you walk into the room, you wouldn't know if a female decorated or you know a guy that was just real into like um traditional tribal um nature um you know it's got a real homey feel like you said to it man that was something that was really important i want you to come in and feel like you can take your shoes off like your shoes off man that makes me happy yeah yeah. because real cozy you know, i want here. people to feel at home when they come in like like, this is my place, but I'm creating it for y'all so that y'all can Most feel like definitely. y'all at home. So, yeah, this was fun putting this little spot together. No, nah, bro, you killed it for sure. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. So, start from the beginning, man. So, to find out how you got here, uh, let's start with where you're from. Man, I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana in 1981. Uh, my mom and dad were married for maybe uh, maybe six years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in a real crazy relationship my mom's from lake charles which is a small town in louisiana and she's one of seven sisters but one of ten siblings in a small two-bedroom house in lake charles like remember this is yeah so uh her growing up in order to get out of house they had to get married they had to have kids you know what i mean so it was like i'm getting out as soon as possible my mom was married at 17 you know what yeah, I mean? To think crazy. about being married and starting a family, like 17, a teenager. Yeah, for sure. She had three kids by 20. Dang. You know what I mean? Three kids by 20. And my dad, uh, you know, he's a, he's a he's a cool guy, but he really wasn't involved in my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, uh, you know, much respect to him, but he wasn't the type of dude that, you know, I'm, I would want to grow up around. You know what I mean? He was just kind of abusive. Yeah. Real abusive, actually. That's an understatement. He was kind of a shady person. Can we curse on this? Yeah, go for it. Hell yeah. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> man. My dad, you know what I'm saying? He did he did the best he could with what he had, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, but then, yeah, I grew up, grew up in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, and then I moved to Austin, Texas when I was six, just kind of fleeing Louisiana, getting away from my crazy dad. Me and my mom just picked us up. I remember that day like it was yesterday, mm-hmm. driving in. I think it was like one of my uncle's Cadillacs or something. And from Louisiana to Austin, all we remember was like the lights. We come up on the hill and then we see Austin. He's like, oh, we made it. Yeah. I mean, I remember that. And then uh, we just kind of lived with some aunts and uncles. And then eventually my mom met my stepdad uh, in Austin and uh, they got married. And that was like the first time I actually had some type of stability, a father figure. Um, but yeah, from Lake Charles to Austin on the east side, um, went to Wynn Elementary, Con Springs, and then Pierce Middle School. Had I stayed in Austin then. My big brother went to LBJ, so we were right there on the east side when it was still the hood in oh, okay. Colony Park. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody familiar with Austin, man, that was the spot right there. And then um, when I turned uh, 13, seventh grade, we moved to Houston. We actually moved to Clear Lake, which was what I feel like was the beginning of who I'm becoming today. You know, we moved out of you know the inner city, not a lot of resources. And we moved to Clear Lake, which was like, you know, exact opposites the suburbs of Houston. But, yeah. you know, to me, it was it was like we were moving to Beverly Hills. Yeah. But it had a real interesting dynamic because, like, we were still broke. <laughs> but yeah, we lived in Clear Lake. So, yeah, man, when, whenever we move. So let me let me back up first since we're really going to get deep, man. Yeah. When I was in, in Austin, I was... Uh, Get some more details. I was a real chubby, goofy, like I was Jim Carrey, but in a <laughs> ten-year-old's body and chubby. Like I was the most annoying little kid. Like all of my home videos from when I was a kid, man. I uh, if I ever become somebody important, if people find these home videos, <laughs> dog. Those, oh man, it's it's the craziest. Like I'm the kid in the background while. My uncle is trying to film a family reunion or something, and I'm following every single person behind behind the person. I'm like, "Hey, look at me, just Uh, goofing around, man." Photo bombing, yeah, it was photo. I was photo bombing before that shit was even alive, man. I'm I was the king of photo bombing. That's exactly who I was. That's funny. I was a photo bomber, and um, yeah, man, I was just a real goofy kid. A lot of energy. Didn't really know like who I was gonna be. And all of a sudden, man, I find I found my identity through cutting hair. I started cutting hair when I was 10, okay. fourth grade. So this was like, this was like, man, finally I have something to identify with. And uh, man, it turned out to be like one of my, one of my saviors, man. Yeah. So who got you into cutting hair? Like how did yeah, it start? It was my stepdad. So okay. my mom, you know, we really didn't have a lot of money to go to the barbershop, man. I, I never went to the barbershop. Whoever had clippers was cutting our hair. So yeah. if, if you had clippers, you knew my mom, chances are you probably cut my hair. And oh, then, and then, um, yeah, but it wasn't dope because it was all messed <laughs> up haircuts, dog. Yeah. It was messed up. One of my, my worst memories, I was like eight or something. And I had like a long ducktail back in the eighties, you know what I mean? Oh what? A ducktail. My shit was probably like six inches long. Damn. And uh we was we lived in these apartments and this one dude said he had clippers. My mom said cut his hair, cut 
cut my hair. Man, this fool cut my ducktail off, though. Damn. I was so mad, man. I wanted to fight that dude. <laughs> And then, wow. yeah, I hated getting my hair cut. I used to cry. Like, I was a kid yeah, that too. cried after every single haircut, yeah. man. I just hated it. Uh, I don't know how I became a barber. Did you get candy to comfort you? Or none of that, man. It no. was like, nah, just, just sit down, with, just cut uh, clippers. It. And then, um, then my stepdad started cutting my hair. And he was actually all right, man. So that's kind of who I got barbering from, man. He, yeah. was, he started cutting my cousin's hair. And I would always kind of watch him. I thought it was pretty interesting how... The Clippers just work, you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah, man, he kind of introduced us to it because we were getting a little older and, you know, we wanted better haircuts and he couldn't really deliver it. He's like, man, y'all do it yourself. And I was like, I bet. So I was like the youngest of a whole bunch of cousins and we just took turns the first time messing each other up. And then I tried again. I was like, okay, I figured out how to fade a little bit. And so I became the family barber at 10. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so I had cool. like built-in clientele. So it was kind of forced upon me, man. It was, That's it was, cool. yeah, it was dope. That's what's up. So, how long were you doing that, just cutting for your family and for yourself? Man, um, so from ten to thirteen, I was cutting like on a regular six cousins and my brothers. So I was probably cutting maybe like ten heads every other week. As a ten-year-old, eleven-year-old, yeah, you know that's a lot of heads. And then, and you're not getting paid. Yeah, no, I wasn't getting paid <laughs> nothing, man. I think I probably got like a couple of dollars or something. But it was just, I didn't mind because it was fun. I was like, y'all actually trust, y'all trust me to do this, and I'm learning how to do something cool that people value. So I felt special. Yeah, it was, cool. it gave me identity. And um, yeah, man. So from ten to twelve, like I was just cutting family members, probably like ten heads every other week or so. So did this catch on at school or anything, or are you just with the family? Yeah, so so this is when it really became a thing. Whenever we moved to Houston, we was 13. I was uh, summer of six, from sixth grade to seventh grade. So I moved to Houston, I was already cutting my brother's hair. Yeah. And he was getting bald face. And by the time I was like 12, I was, I was icy. Honestly, I was pretty yeah. nice. And so we moved into these apartments in Clear Lake, and then the kids in the apartments, they – uh, they saw my brother and they found out I knew how to cut hair. So I, boom, I hit the ground running. And by this time, I had already grew like six inches. So I slimmed out. I went from the little goofy, chubby, chubby kid. kid to the tall, slim, new kid yeah. that knew how to cut everybody's hair. So like seventh grade, that's when I started like getting introduced to all the kids around school because I was cutting hair. All the varsity players, they was coming to my house. They would even pick me up from school, man. I'd be at be outside my middle school, and I'd be with my homies, and then the girls be out there. they come pick me up in their car and stuff, hey. and I'm like, ah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, you would. You know what I mean? Like, I put their names in the hair, and, like, they have, like, a good game, and they give me shout-outs and shit right. like that. It was loud. So, man, I, I kind of built my rep through cutting hair, man, around – Seventh grade, eighth grade is when it really started heating up okay. for me, man. So, so, so from this point on, um, from middle school to high school, did it just kind of stay like that? Yeah, middle school to high school. So, like around ninth grade, that's when I started cutting all the kids in different high schools. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, your, man. Your name spread like that. Right? Yeah, it really did. In Clear Lake, if you were growing up in the 90s, man, you got a haircut by me or you knew somebody that was getting their haircut by me. And by this time, I was charging like four five bucks sometimes so man it was adding up it gave me a lot of responsibility it gave me opportunity to contribute to my family you know uh being able to take some of the burden off my mom having to buy school supplies and clothes and stuff like that 
you know, weekend money. I was always footing the bill for me and my friends just because, you know, I had a legal little side job cutting hair, man. And oh, that's good. Yeah, it gave me a lot of independence. From a young age, that's a good From start, a young too. age, yeah. Absolutely. So from middle school to high school, you were cutting hair. Then you went to play football at the University of Arizona. So how did yeah. that happen, and how was that journey for you? Yeah, growing up, um, I always wanted to play sports, man, but my mom was real protective. She never really let me play sports. We played in, like, the neighborhood and stuff like that, just basketball, a little touch football in the street. But when we moved to Clear Lake, that's when I was like, okay, I'm here, Mom. Let me grow up. Let me, you know, experiment a little bit more. And since I was a pretty good kid, man, I wasn't getting in trouble. Cutting yeah. hair kept me pretty, pretty uh, – Kept my nose clean for the most part. In seventh grade, I started playing basketball and never thought about football. Football was like I wasn't I wasn't tough enough for football. That's kind of how I thought, you yeah. know what I mean? Basketball was just something that was easy to get. Anybody got a goal and a ball. Yeah, you know, just dribble people, it and shoot it. Yeah, real simple. So that was my first organized sport in seventh grade. And – um. It was cool, man. I was actually pretty good. Yeah. Then eighth grade came and all of my friends played football. So I was like, man, you know, I'm going to try it. How hard could it be? And, like, I hated it. Eighth yeah. grade year, it was just terrible. You get tackled too I was much. getting tackled. I didn't know how to hold a ball. I was fumbling. Oh, I was man. missing tackles. I was getting bruises all of my forearms. This like, was on the team, right? This was yeah, it, no, this was on the team. So oh, eighth okay. grade was my first year ever playing tackle football, and it was the worst. I hated it, man. I was looking for every opportunity to get off of the field. Yeah. <laughs> I remember how cold my damn fingers would be, man. That shit was horrible. Did a lot of ice baths, too? Nah, it wasn't no ice baths, man. It was just, I didn't know sleep. what the hell to do. Yeah, just sleep it off. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, ninth grade, I didn't play football. It was just track, basketball, and I was like, to hell with football. But then the summer between ninth grade and 10th grade, I grew a little bit more. I started playing football with my friends in the summertime. And I was like, man, I'm actually better than these fools. I'm going to play for real. Okay. So then 10th grade is when I actually went back out. And first year of playing in high school, they put me on the sophomore team and then played running back. So I just, okay, you want to give me the ball? I'll run with it. I was fast. Boom, I'm a running back. Nice, <laughs> Little skinny yeah. kids just out there juking and shit. But, yeah. I mean, it was it was good. And then by the end of my sophomore year, I moved me up to varsity. And so that's when I kind of like, okay, football is what it is. Then junior year, it was football, uh, basketball. And then senior year, it's just straight football. Okay. And so from high school, um, I played running back. But all of the colleges recruited me to play receiver. So, you know, I was kind of slim. I was six one, about one. 185 in high school and played running back just because I was, you know, one of the athletic kids. And, you know, in an all-white school, if you're a black kid, you were playing running back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just kind of how I was. Yeah, you stand up, the fastest kid getting the ball. So it was me. And then um, so I signed with the University of Arizona out of high school, but my SAT scores were so low, man, I, getting, I couldn't go straight there. So I ended up yeah. double signing with Tyler Junior College. I went there for three years. Um two seasons, balled out there. And then because I already, you know, had that relationship with Arizona, you know, they continued to recruit me. So then that's when I was like, all right, bet, I'll just go back to Arizona. So I got there. And, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of how I ended up at the University of Arizona, man. Yeah, how was life at uni- the University of Arizona? Were you still kind of here there too, play yeah. football on the side? Nah, football? yeah, it was football full-time, man. Okay. Cutting hair, like, we, I cut in the locker room. Uh, by the time I got to college, it was, it was probably like, two or three other cats in the locker room that 
cut hair also, so yeah. I didn't have to do all of the haircuts. But um, I would probably cut maybe like 10 heads a week, which was still a lot considering yeah. a student athlete got a full-time schedule. And, yeah. and you're going to classes. And classes and all of that. So college was, man, it was – is what you read and hear about, man. University of Arizona, it was out there in Tucson. It was, it was like literally girls going wild, man, because <laughs> you got good weather year round, yeah. pool parties, sun is always out, yeah. and then it was live because you know I'm from Texas and we had a lot of cats on the team that was from Texas, uh, oh, and so man. we clicked up heavy, hell yeah. yeah. So we was out there in Zona, like repping H Town and all of the, you know, everybody kind of stood. We they knew who we were because. You know, Texas football players, we had a certain swag about us, man. And so so it was cool. It felt like at home, man. Uh, Arizona was live. Football was live. You did your four years. From there, did you stay there? Did you move back home? Yeah, man. So I didn't graduate. Um, I actually failed out of college my second semester, my senior year, because, you know, I was wilding out. You know what I mean? I was dating a stripper. Oh man! I was in a game, man. I was wilding, man. Like I was like the strip club plug <laughs> for the team, man. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah. And the chick I was dating, she was like the baddest stripper in Tucson, man. Okay. She was a thick yellow bone, yeah, you know. Yeah. What I mean? Like she looked like she was from the H. <laughs> she was hella thick, fool. And so, man, I was tripping with myself, man. School yeah. re- really kind of wasn't. It wasn't high on my priority list because uh, midway through my junior year, man, I tore up some ligaments in my left ankle and I missed half the season. And so since since the inj- since my injury, man, I kind of like I lost a step. My speed wasn't right, yeah. and then I rehabbed. In my senior year, I'm feeling good, and then like I'm going through a couple of injuries mentally. It took me out of the game, and so I ended up like sitting out my whole senior year because injuries and just like mental blocks that I wasn't able to get through, man. Um, mm-hmm. Dating a stripper, not going yeah. to class. So, going to know, strip club. My, going to strip club. So my senior year is when things kind of got real for me because I was like, man, all of this football, like this is my dream, but like I don't really have the passion for it anymore. You know, the injuries and, you know, the mental blocks and then, you know, school is getting harder and harder every semester and then, you know, dating old girl, man, it was like it was, it was wild because, you know, it was like a an abusive relationship, man. It was like fighting, man. like calling the cops on each other and shit. Yeah, it was, and, like, yeah, it was like that. Like I was deep in the game. Fool. Yeah, like yeah. I had Sounds to respect like the game <laughs> because I met her. She was doing it. You know what I mean? Like I chose to I chose that life. Yeah. And so that life kind of got the best of my last year. And college so man uh my second semester i got like three f's they pulled me from my scholarship uh and my grades weren't good enough to get my degree so i ended up moving back to houston uh 2005 uh you know where i'm from so naturally i just came back and i had no idea what i wanted to do i still had like a couple little football connects where I, I was still working out i had like a little trial for some arena stuff and it really didn't work out because okay. it was too much of a grind for me man it was the pay wasn't anything it yeah. was basically like starting from the bottom and i just felt like you know football was good to me it taught me a lot about being a man so i i quit playing football and closed that chapter. yeah i closed that chapter man moved back to houston 
And I thought, um, you know, I thought I was ready to just move on to the adult life. And then uh, the stripper moved to Houston. What? Yeah, she moved to Houston. That's um, crazy. It's crazy. I know. And so, you know, this is me quitting football, moving back to Houston, still messing with the stripper. So yeah. I'm like, I, right, if you're going to move to Houston, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, like, like let's get it. Yeah. So shit, she came to Houston. Shit, she went to Onyx back in 05, if anybody yeah. remember Houston. Onyx was the liveest strip club in Houston. So here I was back in the game, you know. You know, and that really wasn't me. Yeah. I knew that. But I was like, well, you know, what else I'm gonna do? And you were just stuck in that cycle. Yeah, stuck in that cycle. Not really thinking that there was more to me than just living off a chick, you know what I mean? Even though I knew I was a good person, I've always been, I've always known I was a special person that had a, a destiny to do something important. But I let a lot of people keep me off of that that track. And I, got, yeah. I let a lot of people kind of like introduce me to things that really didn't, uh, it really wasn't for me. And so this was just another example of how things yeah. Just kind of followed me because I wasn't mature enough to put ends to it, mm -hmm. and so uh, yeah, moved to Houston. She's she she moved back to Houston, man. Still the same old abusive stuff, like you know, still dealing with the the BS of that world. And I meet my wife, just bumping randomly bumped into her at a club, and I'm oh, still wow. I'm still living. So this is when the real me starts to like blossom. So I'm tell you this story. So uh, uh, me and my wife, uh, no, me and my big brother, we're at uh, Nick's, and I wasn't even supposed to go out. He just asked if I wanted to go. It's a little spot, like over by um, warehouse. Uh, and my wife, at the time, she was a student at TSU. I think she was like a senior then. And um, we were in a club, and we literally just like bumped into each other while we were walking out. My story is she bumped into me. Her story is I bumped into her. <laughs> But this is your story. So this is my story, you. so I'm gonna keep it player. Yeah. So this she is what. To you. So she bumps to you. So this yeah. is exactly. I'm gonna tell you exactly what happened. Show you how how player my game is. Yeah. So we're walking out. This yellow bomb. She bumped into me. So I turn around and she's got like light brown eyes. I'm like, so that's what I caught my attention. Like a little yellow with light brown eyes. I'm like, oh, okay. I look down. She had a nice little bump too. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so I take like another couple steps. And then I noticed that she's like trailing me because we're okay. all going out, yeah. you know what I mean? She's still walking there. And so then I heard I heard her like chit-chatting with one of her friends and we're kind of walking out. Everybody just peeping the fallout of the club. And so I turn around and like she's looking at me. I'm like, okay, she must, she bumped into me yeah. now and she's still walking by me. She must want me to holler. So, I, so this is what I do. I turn around and I start singing a song what? called Pretty Brown Eyes by Mint Condition. <laughs> I do, and I, my voice, my singing voice is horrible, dog. I never sing. But I turn around and I was Pretty Brown Eyes. <laughs> I don't, that's all I know is Pretty Brown Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so she started laughing and shit. And I was like, okay, I got her. She's laughing. And so uh, we start talking. And um, the end of the conversation, uh, we exchange phone numbers or whatever. And I already know my shit at the crib with the stripper. Yeah. I was like, man, I met, you know, I met this chick. You know what I mean? She was cool. Yeah. 
She feeling me. She got good energy. And so the very next day, I called and I was like, look, man, this is me. This is my life. I'm dating this girl. This is what we do. You know, I just been in this because this that's just what it is. Yeah. But that ain't me. You know what I mean? That's real. And so she was like, what? Who tells somebody this the second day you meet them? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's crazy. So that kind of like caught off guard too. But that's just who I am, man. I'm an honest person. Like, that part, that taught me a lot about being a man and taught me a lot about accepting life for what it is. So, I, you know, me and my wife at the time, she was like, I can't deal with this person. You got all this baggage. And I'm like, you right. I just wanted to let you know who you're dealing with. And so we just kind of became friends just okay. like that. And, um, you know, eventually uh, me and my wife started liking each other a little bit more. And that's when I realized, okay, I got to really get rid of the ex yeah. Because I'm starting to feel her, and she's bringing out the qualities that I really wanted to have uh, drawn out of me, but I just wasn't getting it. You noticed the difference. I noticed the difference. And so what was crazy is, man, I broke up with the stripper. I moved out. I left my apartment. I left my clothes. I left my car. I left everything Damn. that I left, and I went to go live with my sister. I was sleeping in my little nephew nephew's race car bed. What? He had a Lightning McQueen <laughs> race car bed. I like lived with sticking out and everything. Yeah, dog. It was terrible. It was like a twin. And then it was the mattress was like all springs. Feet touching the floor. When yeah, you're... man. So, dog, I left everything I had so that I can finally end that chapter. And I went to go stay with my sister. And I, like, kind of stopped talking to my wife. She was just my friend at the time, my girlfriend. I stopped yeah. talking to her for two months straight, just cold turkey. Yeah. And then I, I stopped dealing with stripper cold turkey. Finally got that out of the, out of my life, and I just needed that little space to see what was right for me. And um, like two months at that time felt like six months because I was like just praying and just trying to figure out what should I do, how am I gonna get the past over with, how am I gonna go to my new friend and bring her back into my life, knowing that I just broke up with her. You know yeah. what I mean? So it. I didn't really know what to do. And so that little two month window, man, I learned a lot. And I just decided, you know what? I'm gonna just see if my new friend, my my wife, I'm gonna see if she's still interested in me once I eventually was able to officially cut ties with the ex, man. Yeah. And so that that began the the emergence of kind of who I am today because she started to put more things into me. So after those two months, how did you feel? What did you learn? How was that experience for you? After the two months, I realized that this was my soulmate. Okay. Um, that was the most important thing I realized. Like, regardless of where we were at that time, I knew that I had a connection with her that, like, she was given to me. Yeah. And I was given her. We just had to learn how to accept that and learn how to live with each other. And so just to fill in some of the gaps, um, so – me and my wife, we had been dating for about six months. Okay. And see, I didn't tell her about this. When I first moved back to Houston, I applied for a job to go do some contract work overseas in Iraq. What? Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of did some totally crazy left. shit. What? Yeah. I don't think I ever told you about that. No, that's wild. So let me tell you this story. What? This is, this is some, some kind of fire for you. So, man, I applied to work for KBR. Um, this is just like some contract work. You know, they was hiring anybody with that wanted to go out there. It's in the middle of Iraq in 2007. Like, this is a war zone. Yeah. And so me and my wife were dating for about 
like five months maybe. And then I got a phone call just out of the blue, and it was KBR, and it's like, A1, do you still want this job you applied for six months ago? And I was like, man, what the fuck? Like, I wanted it, yeah. Like, I'm already, I got the strip out of my life. I got a new relationship. I had, like, this little BS job working at this detention center. I thought I was, like, an adult now, you know what I mean? And so. Trying to pull you back in. Yeah, they threw that offer out there, and I was like, well, you know, how long can I think about it? And it's like, man, you got two weeks. Man, that's a big decision. Yeah, two weeks. And so I was like, damn, like, okay, let me call y'all back. And so I got off the phone with them, called my girlfriend, my wife now, and I was like, look, man, I got something to tell you. I'm about to go to Iraq. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So think about this. Man. Like, from, from day one, man, my wife has been dealing with me transitioning still to this very day. That's like, real. So I, she was like, well, what about us? I was like, look, man, this is for us. I was already thinking that this is the girl I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. She was just thinking that I was just some dude that she was dating, that she really liked, was pushing her out of her life all the time. But really, I was, like, getting stuff out of my life so that I can be full and present with her. Just cleansing yourself. Yeah, I knew that about me. She didn't really know that because, you know what I mean, She, she didn't know me like that. Yeah. So I was like, look, man, I have to do this. So they gave me like three weeks to get everything ready. I went to orientation, and, I, and then about a month later, I was in Iraq. Oh, you went to Iraq? I went to Iraq. I went to Iraq, Iraq for two years, dog. You were there for two, two years? Two years. That shit was crazy, dog. That shit was the craziest shit ever. I I lived on a, a military base when I first get there. You know, you don't really know what to expect. You hear stories. I had an uncle that worked out there, so I kind of knew what, what to expect, but nobody told me that it was different whatever base you went to had a totally different like vibe to it you know I mean? yeah it was it was it was a war zone all over but some bases were like cakewalks like you walking around you got the little px you go go to the do your shopping you can go to the gym and there's no real activity going on yeah. around the campsite and then you got other campsites like the one i was on where it was incoming mortar rounds all day long. It was outgoing mortar rounds all day long. Yeah. So we was like hiding in bunkers for hours and hours at a time. I remember one day I was, I worked the night shift. I was uh, just getting back to my little room and I was sleeping in the middle of the day. And the gate, they had like a suicide bomber. He had a truck filled what? with chlorine bomb. He ran through the gate, blew up the truck. Boom, the explosion was so loud, like everybody had concussions. My bed like shook off of the wall, probably like two inches. My light in my little room fell down. Like it was stuff like that that was happening. Uh, I remember being like in the phone center and there's like Blackhawks like hovering above the, the phone center, like shit, probably 20 feet above. I'm like, what the fuck, man? It's That's like wild. stuff like that. I rode on Blackhawks where they were like, to me, I don't know if it was like warning shots or if it was active, but those motherfuckers was shooting down. No, yeah. And I'm on a Blackhawk, like, man, what did I get myself into? I've been on Chinooks with the, the two little propellers where they got the gunmen hanging out. Uh, I rode on Humvees before. Yeah. Like, man, that- Military experience. Yeah, that was sure. crazy. It was interesting, man, because I was secluded from the States. Like, I had a good opportunity to, like, just go deeper and start to explore who I was, you know what I mean? I had a lot of time just to think. All I was doing was working. We worked 12-hour shifts, seven days a week, and we came home for a vacation every four months for two weeks. So So 
What kind of work were you doing out there? Yeah, when I was out there, because of my sports background, and I worked in the uh, the gym, the rec center in college, just a little part-time job. So I put that on my resume, and they hired me to work in the MWR, which is the gym, the, uh, the weight room, the phone center, the internet center, those types of recreational activities. Okay. We just managed those facilities. So, like, I worked in a gym. I was working out all day. I was swole as hell. I worked in the call center where we had to, like, you know, log in people whenever mm -hmm. they use the phone and stuff like that. So I, we knew a lot of the cats that was on base. Like, we became friends because they came to our spot to kind of kick back. And so yeah. so I, I kind of met everybody. I was also cutting hair out there. It was supposed to be a little secret, but one of my coworkers found out that I cut hair. And I started cutting some of the military cats hair in yeah. the in the damn gym. Yeah, so that was I, my next question. That's yeah, I couldn't. I could never really get away from um, cutting hair, man. Yeah, it was it cool. Was always with you. It was always with me. Yeah. No, that's what's up. Yeah. Damn, I didn't even know that happened. So after that, you go back home. Yeah. So so me and my wife, man, we had a long distance relationship, man. She held yeah, it down for two real. years, man. And that's when I was out there. That's when I realized, okay, if she stays with me through this process. She's the one for me because think about it, man. We don't have face to face like it was all phone, yeah, Skype back in those days. It was Skype and the telephone call, and it was it also be days where we didn't speak because like if we had like military cats that went out on a mission and they died or something, they would shut down the base for like three, four days sometimes. And so it was a couple of times where I wouldn't be able to talk to her, and she didn't know what to expect. And so that's crazy. Yeah, two years made it back to Houston, and that's when I was like, okay, now that I'm back in Houston, I know this is the girl for me. You know, I proposed to her, and then I went to Barber College. That's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Barber College seriously. This is where I'm gonna start my. This is where I'm gonna start my grind. Okay, man, that that's crazy how you ended up there. You went through a lot. Yeah. Man, I'm sorry, I'm still tripping on that story. Um, yeah, man, that's real. A lot of people don't. A lot of people that know me don't know anything about my college life. They don't know anything yeah. about sports. They don't know anything about Iraq. They don't know anything about my my past. They just kind of know me of who I am in the city, cutting hair and teaching yoga and stuff. So yeah. it's cool to fill in some of those holes, man. Definitely. Like I've been through a lot of stuff in life. Like I'm not just. I didn't just wake up, you know, just being this person. Yeah, this person, man. It's been a lot that uh, I went through and still is going through to, you know, to groom me to the man I am that's talking right now. Most definitely. So transitioning from coming back from Iraq, proposing to your wife, attending Barber College, and what's life like at that point for you? Man, uh, okay, so I'm going to fill in some more details just to let you know a little bit more about me. This And this is important because this is grooming me to be the person that I am now. So uh moved back to Houston and at this time man I've been in Iraq for a couple of years and I got a little bit of money saved up and you know in my family nobody had any money dog nobody went to college yeah. you know what I mean it was like I'll hit the lottery and we talking about thousands of dollars I ain't come back with bands and bands and bands yeah. like that dog this is just just enough to give me a little kickstart in life and so old habits, I got some money burning a hole in my pocket, yeah. and I got some cousins and some homies that's still in the game, and then now I'm back in the game. And, you know, my got my, just my like homies. Just like that. Just like that, yeah, just like that. And I got some homies in Cali, and, 
they got the grow houses and you know we're moving stuff from cali to houston and then everything is good until it's not yeah until you lose a lot of money until you know you got beef with some people that you don't really even care about you know what i mean and and so my wife still riding with me this whole time and so now barber college uh, we bought a house, furnished a house. There goes the money. Barber College, no work. There goes the money. Dope game, losing money. There mm-hmm. goes the money. So I'm in Barber College, broke, and we got a mortgage. And we're living off of tips from Barber College. We're living off of cutting hair on the side in my house. And we're living off of my wife because she, you know, my wife, she was working, but she didn't make that much money. You know what I mean? And then she was, uh, at this time, was my wife pregnant? Wait, no, she wasn't pregnant then. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna get to that later. Yeah, uh, yeah but we broke, dog. Like yeah, all of this struggling. stuff that I grind for in Iraq was all of a sudden like gone, and now I got all this responsibility still. But man, grinding through it, never, never thought for one second that we wasn't gonna make it out of. I've always had that hustle perspective because yeah. I respect the game for how it really is. You know what I mean? You if you if you do stuff, you accept the outcomes. Yeah. And so I knew, all right, took a loss, bounce back. Absolutely. It was just a little setback. I mean, Barber College, we grinding. And then out of Barber College, uh, I hooked up with some homeboy, homeboy from uh, Clear Lake, and I went out there to cut in his little shop. And so that's when I officially started my barber career. I hooked up with my homie Joaquin out there in Clear Lake. Man, if anybody know Joaquin in Clear Lake, Joaquin is the man out there. He uh, he really gave me uh, a lot of guidance into being like a businessman. Uh, he opened up a little barbershop. It was just me, him, my homeboy, Corey, at the time. It was just us three in this little bullshit spot. We was right on this little strip center, man. We had a big leak in the middle of the roof. Yeah. Our AC sucked because we, shared, we were subleasing the spot from this liquor store. Duh. And so we didn't have any control of the electricity in half of the shop. Like remember, man, the grind's real. It wasn't oh, yeah. what this is, dog. Like this How is. How you at this point? Yeah. At this time, I'm. Yeah, I moved back to Houston, 24, Iraq, 25, and six. At this time, I'm like 28. Okay. And so, okay, now I start my barbering career, and, and because I grew up in Clear Lake, I, you know, I thought it was going. I was going to hit the ground running, but that wasn't the case. No, no. That shows you that you really got to respect, you know, your artistry, man. And you have to start from nothing. Even though I had a reputation 10 years ago, yeah. it didn't mean anything. So I had to start from $10 haircuts, um, yeah. you know, passing out flyers at the mall, putting out flyers on cars like the real barber grind. Guys, that's that's doing that today. Y'all yeah, understand that, man. Stick with it because nothing is overnight dog like i did all of that all of that i had to even though i knew that i'm a fire barber it just takes time to develop it takes time for people to catch on to what yeah. you're doing and so man we had that little bs shop and the electricity wasn't working and the leak was getting worse and i'm like look dog, i had enough i'm better than this we need to move to a different spot and so we looked up on a little a spot in the corner of that same little shopping strip and that was my first time being what I felt was a business owner. So we partnered up and we opened up that little shop. Yeah. And that was like, okay, this is a, this is like the beginning of the barber career now. Um, and so 
it was a lot that I was learning from Joaquin about just kind of running the shop. So um, you speak about the barber grind. Is it the same way now? Because you know now you got social media. You could show kind of cuts you give. Are the tasks still the same, like handing out flyers, or is there more ways to get it now? Man, there's a whole lot more ways to get it, but because I grew up from the old school, yeah. like your haircut was your business card, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I still have that inside me. My hair, I don't pass out business cards anymore because I feel like I passed that level. You know what I mean? I'll give a business card if somebody asks for a business card, but I'm not, I'm not on that same type of ground because of social media because I'm able to take a picture of my haircut, haircut and now that's my business card. But then because I kind of grew up in the old school, I'm not as as noticeable on social media as some of these newer barbers that understand the the social media yeah, game a little bit. Deep. Yeah. And so, you know, I have a little bit of both. Um my work speaks for itself and, you know, I'm kind of old school where I don't really feel like I got to be all on social media. You know, after putting in years and years and years of grind I'm to the point where I don't really have to do it as much, but it's still helpful, man. I, I I encourage every barber to find your niche. Sometimes you don't need social media as much, but you know what I'm learning is it's good. So I'm having to learn how to navigate social media also, sure. rather than just my part, my haircuts. It's my business card. Absolutely, yeah. The work speaks for itself, but you know people got to see it, right? Yeah, yeah. So you kind of here for a while. You're still in Clear Lake, and then when I met you. I met you through Cabby because I was asking him for a place to get a haircut. Mm-hmm. He was like, yo, go to Cutthroat and ask for Juan. I was like, all right, bet. Made an appointment, I think that same week, I met you there. Mm-hmm. So what was that experience like at Cutthroat? Because that was a really good look for you. I feel like that's where you got a lot of looks there. Yeah, so let me fill in the details from Clear Lake to Cutthroat. Uh, me and my homeboy Bones, he was cutting at our shop. And, uh, you know, we would just hang out sometimes. And one day he was on Washington and he went around and saw Cutthroat. And he's like, man, I think there's a barbershop that's about to open up. And at this, by this time, man, I had already kind of mentally moved out of Clear Lake because I knew I had to, it was time to level up. And so uh, me and my boy Joaquin, we had the shop for like three years. And I knew, okay, it's time to bounce. I need to get into the city and, and really kind of introduce the city to, to yeah. who I am. And so Cutthroat opened up, and Bones went around and saw that they were opening up, and they didn't have any barbers. And so he's like, man, I'm going to go chop it up with them. And uh, he went, and he's like, man, I think they they might want to hire me because they need some barbers. And so Bones came back to our shop and told me that. And I was like, dog, hell yeah, go to Cutthroat, see if it's live. Yeah. If it is, I'm going to come too. And I'ma just had a conversation with Joaquin, a business partner, whenever we whenever I crossed that bridge. But I knew that it was time for me to move. One thing about me, man, I don't hesitate. When I know it's time, I just jump on it because, you know, I feel like I'm living out my purpose, but I can't stop my purpose. And sometimes I gotta make a tough decision. And do what's best for you. I gotta do what's best for me because by doing what's best for me, I'm able to to spread it to other people also. And so um he went and they hired him. And then two weeks later, I bounced, and um, me and my boy Joaquin, we split ways, and I went to go cut with Cutthroat. By this time, they had been open for maybe like a month and a half, two months maybe. Oh, man, so you were literally there from the beginning. From the very beginning. It was me, Bones, Ryan. Ryan was still in Barber College. He was he was working like on one or two days out of the week. Brandon and Brandy. Brandon and Brandy, they, was, they were the two owners. Um, yeah. 
and they were Brandon was working at Roots and at Cutthroat. And so it was really like me and Bones and Brandy that was only three full time barbers. Everybody else was just kind of rotation until Ryan finished barber college until Brandon never really was there full time. But yeah, so I was like, yeah, from there from the beginning, man, we we set the tempo for Cutthroat. We gave Cutthroat the identity whenever we um whenever the team formed, it was us five. And uh yeah, so that was the very beginning of Juan the Barber in Houston. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was a real good look. It was, you know, it was right on time for what the city needed. A lot of people were getting interested in the barbering industry again, okay. which was perfect for me because I like I've been doing this shit for years. Yeah. I just need the right location to let boys know. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's what Cutthroat provided. And then, you know, from day one, man, I just kind of hit the ground running. And then that's when, you know, the reputation started to spread a little bit faster. So how long were you at Cutthroat? I was at Cutthroat for two years. Okay. So uh, Cutthroat from two, for two years. And so let me backtrack a little bit. This is real important. Y'all need to know this. So when I was in Clear Lake, I move when I moved back to Clear Lake, I'm cutting hair with my boy Joaquin. At this time, this is when I discovered my yoga practice. Okay. This is real important because this You're doing my job for me, just doing those transitions. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, that. no doubt. No doubt. We yeah. in flow right now. <laughs> so this is real important because without me practicing yoga, I never would have um I never would have took the leap out to go cut at cutthroat first. And then while while I was at Cutthroat, that's when I got a little bit deeper into my practice. I started practicing that big because it was right around the corner. Okay. And then I was practicing that big for maybe like two years and and I was, no, not even that long, maybe like a year. And one of the students and one of the teachers just came up to me like, Juan, you got a really strong practice, man. You ever thought about becoming a teacher? And I was like, hell no, nah, I'm one, the barber at Cutthroat. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is just what I do so it's that like I the can, last thing you would teach. Yeah, something. I was like, I had no idea, like, I would teach yoga. It wasn't, even though the practice was deep to me and it it was grooming me to be the man that I am today, it wasn't something that I, like, I don't want to teach yoga. I want to I want to be a barber. And, and um, it's like she planted a little seed in my head, though. Uh, and just made you think about it. Huh? Yeah, it just made me think about it. I was like, you know. I don't fit into this world. Like, number of skinny white girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a black dude, tattoos, I'm a barber. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I didn't grow up There's like that. There's no them. one like you. In There's there. nobody like me in that in that community. And because I tend to kind of move to the beat of my own drum, I was like, dog, that's it. It's perfect because there's nobody like me in that yeah. world. I need to do this because I got a real grip on the pulse of the city. Like, because of barbering, I'm able to meet all types of people, all types of guys from all types of walks of life, man. Yeah. Black, white, Asian, Indian, everything, man. And then I even got a lot of female clientele. And I just, I, I was like, man, I, it's perfect. I'm going to learn how to become a teacher. And so while I was at Cutthroat for those two years, I, I did my teacher training and then I started teaching classes. Yeah. And then that's when I realized, man, I kind of outgrew Cutthroat. Two years there. Okay. You know, I'm teaching yoga now. It's like I need a new start. And so, uh, yeah, I started chopping you up at Cutthroat. But then that's when I bounced to to collab with uh, the classroom because I just I was ready to reinvent myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember talking to you at Cutthroat and uh, did some reading about the piece Ebony did on you. Yeah. 
that it all started with P90X for you, like it did for me. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, just just doing those yoga videos. Yeah, it was uh, P90X was what my first intro to yoga was because I come from a sports background, man. I wanted to just stay in shape. Yep. And the only way I knew how to do that was hitting the weights. And then P90X hit the scene, and now I can work out at home. And it's a 90-day program, one DVD a day, and one of the workouts was yoga. Yep. And so for the first, I remember this, man, for the first 60 days, I skipped yoga. Yep. I was it's like, rough, man, man, I ain't mess with that. I didn't even look at it. I didn't even look at oh, it. Oh, man. I didn't even want to. I was like, just give me the six-pack abs, dog. Yeah. I don't care about yoga. Like, I can breathe for free. Yeah, I don't yeah. need all that. <laughs> I didn't even know what, yeah, that's what I thought. And so, man, then one day, I'm like, let me just pop it in just to see what it looked like. And I did. And I was like, damn, that shit looks hard. I should have been doing that from day one. Yeah. And this was like, it was like seven years ago, man, P90X. And that was my intro to yoga through P90X, man. I think it's gotten better now, but there's still a lot of people out there who still kind of think yoga is kind of a joke You're like what are you doing just stretching and breathing that's yeah. not working out but it's a grind man yeah it is it's a workout and and what i realize is there's a lot of different layers to yoga you know when you don't know what yoga is you automatically think stretching breathing stuff that you see on tv but man that's just one element to it the deeper stuff is like the meditation and then just being okay with being in solitude sometimes, you know what I mean? It, it takes a lot of discipline to, to to be able to do that. And that's the real yoga, being able to apply those types of like lessons through the physical practice, through the meditation, through the breathing techniques, being able to apply that into the real world and everything you're doing, like this conversation, yeah, your job, your parenting. Yoga is always available for me and it's always present every step of the way, you know, yeah. since I discovered that. Yeah, it's it's deeper than what's than what's on the surface. Yeah, um, I didn't know there were so many different kind of like types of yoga. Yeah, like uh, one of the quotes you had from the Ebony article, you say, "I was definitely happy with the way yoga was strengthening my body, but it was the way my practice was strengthening my mind that got me hooked." Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That shows just how how much deeper it gets. Yeah, and because P90X was my first intro to yoga, I thought that's what yoga is. It's going to always be like P90X yoga. Yeah. And then I went to a studio for the first time, and I was like, that was totally different. That ain't what, like, give me. This ain't yoga. This ain't yoga. Like, what we was doing was stretching and breathing for real, because that P90X was brutal. That shit was hard. Oh, yeah. I feel you. And so that's when I realized, like, oh, like, there's more to it. And that's when I started to become more of a student of yoga, not just the physicalness of it and um that would be because i was used to sweating and hitting the weights like i wanted that physical exertion out of my practice like i love that that's what still gets me on my mat today man it's yeah. like a, such a challenge when you bring your body to a limit and you know you can do more and you just have to choose to or you have to be smart enough to not do it when your body know you don't really need to. I want to pull back. Yeah, and so it's a real like delicate dance. A real, uh, it's it's real intricate how you can overdo something and take your body out of the practice, or you can underdo something and you won't even show up to the practice. Yeah, and man, it's more to it than just stretching and breathing, bro. No, definitely. Like I got another quote right here. It says that 
outside of what it did for your body and your mind, you say that you connect better to your clients, eventually your students, jumping ahead there, but mm-hmm. you connect better to your students and most importantly, your family, just yeah. through practice. Hell yeah. And just through practicing, just through the physical practice, man, not studying and, you know, not really doing a bunch of research into like the yoga world, you can get a whole lot out of your practice. Even if you just do this one little simple practice, even if it's a DVD from P90, you do that one DVD for the rest of your life, you're going to develop and strengthen muscles in yeah. your conscious and your brain and your heart that you would never have tapped into had you just hit the weights or kickboxing or other things. It's just, it's just different. I can't really explain it, but it is. Yeah. I saw in the Houston Chronicle, they did a 30-day yoga challenge, and every day was just a different pose. And you were part of that. You were showing off different poses, and then the videos would have instructors, just, you know, just real simple poses like tree, mm-hmm. downward dog. And it's real simple, but, you know, as long as it gets people started, that's mm-hmm. what's important, right? Get them on their mat. Yeah, man. Yeah. And you don't even have to go to the studio to practice. You can pull out your phone and there's a thousand different that's how I practices. Do it, yeah. You can do it, you know, and people just got to realize it's not about whether you're skinny or white or can afford to go to a studio or flexible or young. You know what I mean? The real yoga is just saying, I want to try to do it. Just being aware that I need to make a change or I need to do something different or I need to kind of stop being phony with who I who I am and be real enough to accept that I'm not happy with where I am. Like, that's yogic thinking, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't have to go to the studio. You can pull up your laptop and then just sit and have somebody guide you through a meditation. And all you're doing is sitting and listening. That's yoga. Mm-hmm. Or you can type in an asana practice where you're sweating, you're dripping sweat. That's yoga. Or you can stay, you can lay on your back in Shavasana for 30 minutes, not do one thing. That's yoga. So there's a lot of different layers to it. Definitely. Me cutting hair was it allowed me to realize, man, I'm able to bring yoga into conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm able to connect with a person that may, uh, you know, they may be timid with the new barber for the first time, and I'm able to feel that and then just give them just enough space to get settled into the environment. You know, maybe if they want to talk, I kind of just chit-chat with them. Yeah. Or if they don't want to talk at all, I'm I'm more aware of what my client needs. Yeah. And so it, it allows me to keep the conversation and the relationship just real natural, man. For sure. Now, what's interesting about that is as different as cutting hair and yoga may seem, if you think about how you feel afterwards and during – it's pretty therapeutic. Yeah. So the fact that you're able to cross two worlds that may not fit on the surface, but the deeper you get into it, it actually makes a lot of sense. That actually fits perfectly into getting back to the classroom and when you went there because yeah. not only do you enjoy cutting hair and you're practicing yoga at this time, you know, you're you're into fashion. Yeah, you're into yeah. music which fits the vibe of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout outs to Cabby, yeah, classroom, yeah. classroom, Alan, everyone there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's the homies. Yeah, man. And so when I decided to leave Cutthroat, um, the classroom where the homies, man, when they opened up like five years ago, that was the only store I shopped at because they were the only Same. people in Houston that got it. You know what I'm saying? You wasn't going to get this stuff anywhere else you in Houston. You just go to the mall. You know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, they knew me from the Clear Lake days cutting in Clear Lake. They knew okay. Me. Yeah. They knew me. When I was practicing yoga, when I started teaching yoga. So they saw all of the transitions. And then 
uh, whenever I was at Cutthroat, I was like, man, we're, we're just gonna do a pop-up at the classroom. I'm just go there and cut hair. And because those are the homies, I'm gonna go and it'll be cool, it'll be perfect. Yeah. And I didn't even think that I was just gonna move away from, from Cutthroat at the time, I was still there. But when I actually uh, went to Chop, and I was like, ah, oh, man, this this is live, man. This is kind of like the next step for me, man, because yep. I'm able to still embrace fashion stuff that I would be messing around with anyway. Why not switch the game up? I can still cut hair. I can still take my clients, but I can just rebrand myself in a different way. I can collab with the homies. You know, I can learn a retail game a little bit. Yep. You know, I can. It was a perfect fit. Yeah, it was a perfect fit. And they was, I got a discount on clothes. Yeah, so I was yeah. always in the lavish shit before, every, <laughs> before I even hit the racks. Yeah. <laughs> so it was perfect, man. And then it gave them a nice little touch to their brand, too, because now they were able to bring in men's grooming into yeah. the, the fashion world. And so it kind of created a. Uh, a more lifestyle thing than just fashion and barbering. It was more of a lifestyle. Yeah. So that was cool. No, that's dope how it, it just happened all organically too. Yeah. You didn't have to reach out and try to convince any of them. Yeah. It just all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I missed this, but from, from the pop up, that's when I was like, okay, man, this is what I need to do. And so that's when I was like, cabby, I'm a, I'm gonna just jump on with y'all. I'm a good times with cut, with cutthroat, you know, even though it was a good run we had, it's time to move on. Time to move on. It's time to do something different. So the classroom was, man, that was that was perfect. That was right on time, man. Yeah, and then from there, you were kind of here growing your base, mm -hmm. really handing it all on your own. You just got your own clients. Yeah. They know where you're at. Yeah. And then from that point, you're, I remember you were you know, doing your hours to get your licenses to be an instructor. Mm -hmm. And then... Once you got it, you started doing pop-ups at the classroom yeah. rather than just not just cutting hair, but on certain days you would or organize like Vinyasa Mondays. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. speak about that time because that was that was real dope. Yeah, man. So by the time I got to cutthroat, I mean uh, to the classroom, I had already been teaching for maybe like a solid year, yeah. and you know I had a pretty good reputation. Um, by the time I started teaching, man, I just kind of hit the ground running in Houston. People really gravitated to me just because my personality i just happen to be teaching yoga now so you know you know half of the work was just people spreading the reputation for me so i was like well how about we just start doing pop-up yoga classes in the classroom we just move the chairs and stuff out of the way and yeah, just be loud you just do that and so we called it vinyas and vibes my boy mentos was djing shout out to mentos one of a lot of CJs in Houston, man. So Mentos was working with us. That's Cabby's uh, little cousin. And so, boom, and they, they the one that, Cabby was the one that gave gave me the name, Vinyas and Vibes, and Mentos was like, well, shit, let me just DJ. Because I was like, let me just use the space to teach classes. I was going to play a playlist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, nah, we're going to make it all the way live. That's fire. And so that we just threw that idea out there, and it was cool, and people was messing with it. You know what I mean? So we probably get like, 25 30 people in there afterwards we have like kombucha and some, juice and stuff we have donuts. yeah some donuts we always have a, like a homie too that do a little pop-up and just you know bring some refreshments so that was cool just to create more of an uh, a community feel to the fashion world the barber world yeah. you know what i mean it it, it kind of brought in a whole different element that neither one of us could create together and yeah. we was just using yoga 
as an opportunity for people to connect with one another that you like you probably will see people that maybe shopped at the store but really didn't know them and they came to the class like oh you get your hair cut by one two or you yep. shop at the classroom and oh you practice that big like so it kind of gave people like some commonalities that yeah. they would have never had had we not created Just that space through yoga yeah no it was it was a good time man um so that's the thing about your classes not only are they just just good yoga practices you set the mood with the playlist whether you have your own playlist going or you got mental spinning mm -hmm. speak about how you like to set up your classes to make you stand out and put your personality on it yeah um to be honest my favorite classes are when it's just complete silence and okay. there's not a whole bunch of extra stuff because i understand the importance of this opportunity that we get to explore our bodies to go deeper and deeper and deeper depending on if that's what you want so i like to create a space to where it's just open and free the music is fun like i love that too it, it gives me a different uh vibe which is fun yeah you know it's relaxing to some people that need a little bit of distraction um but in my classes, man, if it's a it's a class where I'm teaching music, I like to create the playlist where it starts off just like the class is going to start off. So it'll be kind of smooth in the beginning for a couple minutes, and then it'll build up, and then it may get a little ratchet in the middle. Yeah, it yeah. might turn up for like one or two songs, and then it'll kind of start to come back down. And then by the end of it, it's just we're just zoning out. Yeah, and you so, got a real good flow going. Yeah, I try, to, I try to build it up like, the way I'm building the class up so that it all just kind of flows together. No, yeah. Every time I go to your class, I already, I already know the vibes are going to be right. Yeah. I can tell the people, sense. they really like the music you got going on there. And I always see people asking you afterwards too, like, man, what song was that? Like, yeah. you got a playlist I can find you on? Yeah, man. Man, I get a lot of uh, my music inspiration from Selection, man. The homies, man. I, I tune in every week just to see what, what's new. Yeah. And whenever I listen to the mix, shit, I'll go on and see what artists they were playing and then I'll try to find them on Spotify yeah. or SoundCloud or whatever and I'll throw that into my mix. So Yeah, we were at the man, show the other night. Yeah, live. yeah. Oh yeah, it was so live, man. It's crazy. And so yeah, man, I try to stay on top of the music so that I can, you know, turn the uh the students on to some new shit. Yeah. You know? So they always ask them for playlists and stuff after class, uh, man. That's just another avenue for you, man. Like the fashion, the music cutting hair yeah. the yoga it's really it just really embodies you, your personality you know and yeah. you put your stamp on it yeah so you're doing your classes that big you're doing vinyasa vibes and then at the classroom whenever we have we would attend the parties they would throw you'd be cutting hair sometimes mm -hmm. well i'll just be turning up mm -hmm. we get to a point where unfortunately the classroom decides that it's time to you know close down business mm -hmm. when you find out the news how are you feeling at that point? Are you already planning your next move? Did it take you by surprise? Just uh, take us through how that. How yeah, that honestly, um, I I was cutting at the classroom probably a year and a half, and you know I kind of saw that Rice Village was transitioning. Um, yeah. It was a, a lot of the older stores were shutting down, yeah. you know, and it was a lot of construction that was kind of happening. So it it was proof that things were. Well, on the upturn. Yeah. No shout outs to the parking meters, by the way. Man, those parking meters were weak. I got a $70 ticket yesterday. I was with my family at, at uh, Hop Dotties, and we parked right down the side of the street. And, you know, it got the two-hour parking. But 
I don't know if it's a difference between the two-hour parking on the side of the street and the two-hour parking on side of the street that has the no parking sign. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, fuck it. I was just parking anyway, man, right in front of Hop Dottie. So I, so I was like, well, we'll see. Yeah. My wife was like, don't do it. I was like, ah, fuck it. We're going to do be it. Fine. It'll be fine, man. We came out. We was only in there for maybe like 45 minutes. Man. $70, though. They tripping around here, man. You didn't even hit an And hour. it was a Sunday night at like 7 o'clock. Wow. The t- they wrote me the ticket at like 7.30, fool, on a Sunday night. That's weak for, Rice Village weak for that. But um, but yeah, man, I knew, I knew the classroom was kind of, I knew business was slowing down because I'm there every day. I'm chopping it up with Cabby. I'm noticing what's going on. And so we had the conversation and I expected it. I was like, okay, maybe they trying to switch it up. Maybe the lease is up. I didn't know at the time that the lease was going to be going up. And, um, and so to me, it was like, okay, God, thank you. This is perfect time. Just like everything else that's been in my way in my life, this is perfect time. So when we yeah. had that conversation, Cabby telling me that they was going to close the classroom was actually, and that was the best information I could get because that instantly put me into the the new entrepreneurial brain. Like, well, what's next? Yeah, I was like, okay, well, damn, what's next? I already, you know, I'm not messing with the barbershops anymore. I'm not really messing with the clothing stores anymore. Damn, what I'm going to do? And so this is when one of my homies uh, Big Mike, you know, Mike, you probably know yeah. Mike, Mike Stevenson, man. Uh, shout, out to Mike. shout out to Mike. And so me and Mike were homies since the cutthroat days. And so he he knew the yoga grind. He knew the barber grind. He knew my family grind. He knew all of that. And so Mike was also on his own particular grind, man. He was um, involved with a lot of the coffee shops here in town, designed some of the shops here in town. He worked right next door at the Catalina when I was at, the, at cutthroat. And so yeah, that's right. we clicked from day one. And then um, whenever I told him, like, damn, man, the classroom about to close. I don't really know what's my next move. I know it got to be soon, but I don't really know what. And so we took that conversation and we just started thinking, like, what, shit, man, what, if, what about if we just start a new concept? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, right. do, we'll do barber, yoga, and coffee and juice or whatever. You know, we, we, we started to come up with different ways that um, – for one, we both would have a place to work and we'd still be able to kind of pursue our passions and we'd be bringing something new to the city of Houston that, you know, that was never created. And so from uh, like the last six months of the classroom, me and my my boy Mike, we were working on our concept. Um, you know, we, was, we had identified a couple locations that were going to work. Um, the first location was on the east side, and that was when we were uh, right next by the by the fire station over there. Yep. That would have been a live look. It really wasn't a lot of stuff around it, but we were going to kind of create a new wave over yeah, there. Yeah, would have brought the attention. Yeah, we would have brought the attention. So, you know, that was like our plan to, to do something on the east side. And, um, you know, because me and Mike started working on that project, I made a lot of... I made a lot of new friends that were inspiring me in different ways that were giving me, you know, confirmation towards, you know, my unique ability to create out of nothing. I realized that what me and Mike was creating was cool, but it wasn't what was right for me at the time. And so six months. You could of, like feel the energy. Yeah, listen, I, right? I, I felt I felt that it, it was becoming more of a thing that we were having to make happen rather than it was just happening for us. Like it literally came down to the day where 
the next day we were going to be signing contracts to accept money from some of our investors so that we can start department of so that we can actually start working on the location and stuff and um we had it we had everything planned out we thought everything was perfect and then the day before i kind of got cold feet because i was like dang god like do is this really right for me do i really need this it wasn't right it didn't feel right because you know he was telling me i need to do things the way i need to do it not being fearful fearful to where i felt I needed a bunch of help from other business partners and investors. Yeah, you and, don't want to be forced into something. I don't want to be forced into it. I didn't. I didn't need a a big location. And so, man, like I literally, like prayed and meditated on that. What should I do? And we knew that the classroom was going to be closing, like three weeks from the time me and Mike had that conversation. I had nowhere to go. I had no location. Six months of us working on Department of. And, you know, day before we get checks, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, what the fuck, dog? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Everything we've been working on. But yeah, but, but Mike, being the real homie, he understood that I'm being guided by something higher than just my ego. Definitely. And so he knew. He's like, man, I don't understand this shit, but I got to respect it because I know that you want, you're not going to do anything that's not right for you and your family. And so uh, he was like, man, well, you know, let just let me know what's up. If we can still kind of work together, it don't have to be in the same location. And so fast forward to where we are today. My yep. boy Jeff, who owns New Living, it's an organic furniture store, man. It's got some real good stuff in here. Everything is, is organic, handmade, and Jeff is also one of my clients. You know, I've, oh, been, I've been knowing Jeff for a few years, man. We used to actually have church service here. Uh, in New Living, uh, shout out to Awakeness Movement. Um, yeah, so Marlon, uh, one of my pastors, man, he was guy that introduced me to Jeff. This is probably oh, like okay. like four years ago. You know, what I mean, it's a small community here in Houston. It's, you know, like minded people kind of do some of the work for you. And so Marlon in, introduced me to Jeff while I was, I think I was I was at Cutthroat back back then, and. Never thought I'd be in freaking a furniture store cutting hair. But yeah. whenever I had the conversation with my poor, my boy Mike with Department of, I was like, man, I can't move forward with this because it's not right. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to figure something out. And Jeff just came out of nowhere. He's like, man, you know, if you ever wanted to, you can turn my little upstairs into your own little loft. You can do whatever you want to. I was like. Nah, that's kind of like, I don't know. That's at a furniture store? At a furniture store? Like, that ain't really my vibe. That ain't my look right now, Jeff. Like, I appreciate it because I came up here and I looked. I was like, nah, this ain't ain't it, man. It it, it, it was totally different, man. If y'all see it now and if if you guys saw it from the beginning, you wouldn't believe it. Man, and, and that was me not really having faith that everything that happens in my life is for a reason. Jeff came and planted that seed. And um, just fast forward, classroom closed, and I and I holler at Jeff and like Jeff, you know what? I'm gonna take you up on that offer, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna help you, and you're gonna help me. And man, it's been a real smooth transition. So I came in, the ups. You walk into New Living, it's the furniture downstairs, but then you walk through like a little side door, and then you you there's a staircase that leads you upstairs and so now i get to create a whole different vibe upstairs like it's like some underground shit 
Man, you got you to know about it in order to know it's here. You know what I'm saying? So when I came through the doors, I was like, oh, I get to do something different. Even though it's a furniture store, it's it's the people that's running the furniture store. They get it. Like, yeah. the lifestyle is really what drew me to them. They, this just happens to be their business. But, you know, they're trying to create sustainable furniture and not have a big fingerprint in how the world is, you know, being torn apart mm-hmm. by offering a, a good product. Absolutely. You know, so and well, what they do they and what... workspace up here. Yeah. Then people create like yeah. you. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, they just gave me the opportunity to help rebrand New Living. They're going to help me rebrand Yogi Barber One by giving me a, a empty canvas. That's all I needed was just an empty canvas. They just let you do whatever. They just let me do whatever. And so now I'm, I get to kind of run around the store and, and do events and teach yoga and whatever the hell I want to do in here. And like with this room, I, because it was a, a blank canvas, you know, I was able to add all of the colors and textures and got a stage and shit built into it so I can cut hair and you know lights that beam over you so it feels like you're on stage and Uh, you know it feels like you're at home you know kick your shoes off and have a water or a beer if you wanted to got my feet resting on this this cozy rug right here yeah yeah Yeah, Uh, dig your feet in the rug you can lay down I got blankets and bolsters and you know whatever man this is this is my little my little zen center man when I'm not cutting I close my my velvet curtains and I turn yeah. out the lights and I pull out my big ass white sheepskin rug and I meditate under my, my skylight and like a skylight man that really sets it off in here. It does though and especially in the morning man when the sun is not real high this room is real cozy and you know I'm able to work and rest in the same place and you know this is this is interesting this is fun for me man I'm just having fun. Oh, man, You definitely got your spin on this place it screams your personality with the music you play yeah yeah everything you picked out in here and i could tell by the turnout at the uh the party that you had recently and everyone was everyone was digging it here yeah yeah they walk in they're like man i never would have expected this to be a barbershop you know? yeah and a lot of my clients from when they first started coming here they would pull up out front. It's like, damn, one, where the hell are you? Yeah. I'm like, nah, just trust me. Just come into the store, and we'll show you where I'm at. And so it kind of takes you for a little spin. You walk in, you see furniture. You're like, nah, what the? You might find the right spot. You're a little puppy running around, you know. And then you walk through the door, and then all of a sudden it, the energy kind of changes. And, yeah, the party was cool because the upstairs area, I was able to kind of just turn that into the um, – the whole little set so we got these little booths yeah. where you know creative co-workers they can come in and they can do some work and so i made you, you saw those curtains i made those curtains dog oh really yeah i made those okay, I, thought, I thought you bought them and just hung nah, them. hell no man i made those curtains man That's i went fire. to uh i went to home depot and, and bought all of that rope and I cut it up and measured it, and that shit is live, man. And so that's something else that I'm learning. Like I, I got a lot of talents that I never really thought were there yeah. until I just tried it. Like plants, like I'm fucking with plants now. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, so yeah, the party was cool because it was a mixture of people that I know on a personal level and people that I just met that I respect that grind. And so you know, in my spot, we had Mentos was DJing, we had Smile Booth. They were just, uh, you know, a little small booth where you can take pictures and email them and stuff, make little boomerangs and stuff. 
And then right outside of my studio space, we had the homies, uh, Cheech and Michelle. They have a little company where they make uh, Luna Sangraya. I think I'm saying it right, Luna. Luna Sangraya. I hope I'm not. It's saying it right. Luna Sangraya. I think that's what it is. But they have um, essential oils. They have sage and Palo Santo wrapped up real cute with flowers and stuff on it they have these little voodoo dolls and shit like these are like my little witch homies like <laughs> they like they put me on the, like some underworld shit so they they're real cool man um and so i had a, another homie josh she just started an alcohol infused cupcake company called tipsy that. pastries yeah. and the reason why i decided to ask these specific vendors is because like these are my friends like these are, josh is my client josh has been getting his hair cut with me since clear lake yeah way back in the yeah day. and so he's been talking about getting out of the corporate world you know what i mean getting out of his nine to five and he always had a passion with fucking baking cup cupcakes and so he wanted to put a spin on it and make them alcohol infused and they're bomb man i don't know if you yeah. tasted them or not and so i just invited friends that were actually trying to get their business their brand off the ground Another homie, um, Grub25. Yeah, shout Libby. out to them because those cookies. Yeah, Libby, homies. yeah. That's just another homie that I respect her grind. And, you know, so what What I'm trying to do is just offer a space to where people just like me, a new business, you know, friends that we've been knowing for years, an opportunity to represent that brand, you know, get people interested in what they're doing. And this space kind of works out perfectly. Like this building has real good structure and bone. So the pop-up worked out perfectly. We had a couple other uh, vendors too, man. It was a real dope look, man. No, it was a good time. We probably had about, I was counting, it was probably like 200 people that just kind of came in and out. And may not sound like a a lot of people, but in this space and the way it lays out, man, it was a real good vibe. It was all races, girls, guys, yeah. old, some young, you know, and just like minded people. Yeah, it was real. It was real diverse, and so man, that kind of that made me excited to see that I can hold this space for other people to connect, and so that was cool, man. We'll, we'll do more stuff like that too. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to it. Like seeing how, just observing how people move, how you move, I'm starting to learn that you can do. You can start anything you want, and you can put your own flavor on it. Yeah. And there's no rules to it. There's no one telling you you can't do something. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I'm learning from it, and that's what's giving me the confidence to, you know, break out of my comfort zone and start doing my own thing. Because yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. No one can tell me no. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Hey, yeah, man. And shout out to you, Anthony. No, like this is live, man. This is inspiring to see people that I see all the time like taking little bits and pieces of what I'm doing and getting inspiration from it and saying, man, let, I'm going to do my own shit too. Like it's, oh, it's only scary until you start it. And then once you start it, like, oh, that's just one step. And then there's another step. And next thing you know, we're having a freaking real interview. You know what I mean? Yeah, here we like, are. So, I man, appreciate shout that. out to you, dog. Living your dreams, man. Uh, the, the quote that got me going, someone said that, would you rather – I think this was from the audiobook you put me on, the Acres Deception. Ah, uh, hell yeah. Yeah, so shout out to the audiobook. He said, Would you rather spectate or participate? He said it in a better way than that, but you know, that's simplifying it. Yeah. You know, I, I was always tired of seeing someone do something like, Man, that's dope. I wish I could do that. It's like, Man, I'm going to just do it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do, dog. Yeah, man, like, that's what I'm learning from. Yeah, from and, and you may start here and then 
a year from now you may be doing some video shit or you may be doing some music shit or you may be doing some fashion shit. And so there's no limits on what you can do. You just got to take that first step, man. What I learned through taking the step towards yoga is like, man, that gave me the confidence to know that I can learn anything in the world if I just dedicate myself to it. If I don't have the time to learn it, I can find books and people that know the information and get it from them so that it can lessen the, my learning curve, man. Yeah. So I'm not afraid to do anything now, though. I'm, I'm, I'm entering a phase of my life where I'm like, everything I said I wanted to do, I'm just finna fucking try it and then see what happens because the worst thing that happens is it's not the best and it makes me want to try it again and I get better. Yeah, you know just learn from it. You learn from it. Yeah, with given how technology is advanced now, man, er, anyone can do it. Yeah. Like anyone can do anything. You could just pick up a camera, um, pick up some clippers, yeah. just record it, put yeah. it up. You can. Anybody Crazy. can do it, but it takes a lot of practice to to do it good. So man, yeah. don't don't discount the hard work, man. You gotta find happiness in living in the grind when the shit ain't right. When you don't necessarily have shit, the technology or the equipment to to pull it off. You know, you 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 do with what you have. You know what I mean? I started cutting with one set of clippers, edging up with one set of clippers, and then you know, years later, I just started adding into it. But it was the fact that I wanted to try it. You know, yeah. it got me to realize man i can do it and i'm actually pretty damn good at it and i can do it better than a lot of people just because everybody else is doing it i'm just gonna have to bring my personality into it i'm gonna bring my own flavor so now i don't have to compete with the rest of the world because i'm on you because i'm doing it exactly how i want to do it in my own unique way and that's what's live man everything that everything that you're trying to do like nothing super original somebody's done everything in life yeah. but you just got to put your your uniqueness into it and then now that same thing is yours and you can brand yeah. yourself on it you no know? one does you better than you right? absolutely hell yeah yeah i was just thinking like man i had a lot of barber talk but not enough yoga questions but at the same time you know you got into yoga pretty recently so you know the journey's still going so when we record again, you probably have more to say, yeah, yeah. more experiences to reflect on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so besides everything that you do, people don't know what you do outside of work. So what's life like when you clock out, you know, you're driving home? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of stuff do you like to do outside of cutting hair? Yoga? Man, if I had like a camera on me 24-7, y'all would realize just like how strange I really am. <laughs> because one thing about me, man, I don't really care about what people like. I, right here in this interview, I'm sitting in a chair just cross-legged with my feet up, a blanket shoes on. off. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like this is just kind of how I am. So when yeah. I leave here, I'm looking to... Um, mentally shift from one the barber or the the yoga instructor or whatever else people put titles on me to the family man now so I got to put on a whole different hat and so like what's cool about me I live um, like about 20 minutes from where I live so I I kind of enjoy my drive home yeah and so that's when I get to dive deeper into some audio books I got some teachers that I listen to some lecture series like I I yeah. chant like uh you know you mind if we uh touch on that a little bit so yeah. uh people definitely know you for the music that you're into what other content are you consuming like what kind of what authors what um pastors who who are you really into man right now there are a few people that i consider teachers who i always go back to and like 
regardless of what people think about these people, like they give me a lot of information that I need for for my specific life. And one of my yoga teachers um, is a guy that's not even here. He's dead. Uh, Yogi Bhajan, man. Um, one time he's our, yeah, he's our, he's my Kundalini yoga master, man. And I never met this guy, but I have lectures from when he moved to America back in the late 60s, early 70s, man. Yeah. Lectures that are still just as powerful. Like, I got my phone and I have access to a teacher 24-7. I mean, the type of teacher that you would have to, like, you can't buy this type of information. They don't have and that at school. No, you can't. You can't get this in, in school, man. You got to kind of know somebody that knows somebody to kind of introduce you to it. And and so I listen to a lot of his lectures. Um, that gives me my real, like, I'm not even going to say wisdom. It's not really wisdom. It's just, like, he teaches me how to be a human. Mm. And like, we're all here trying to figure it out. Like, we all are just doing the best we we can with what we have man and you know yogi bhajan man um through kundalini yoga and his lectures man he's given me the tools to to penetrate through a whole lot of barriers mentally that i created for myself man he's he's allowed me to realize that i really am invincible and i have infinite potential inside of me so man when i'm going home i listen to a lot of audio books a lot of lectures from yogi bhajan yeah and um, I listen to music while I'm cutting hair, so that's like my that's like my little world, man. I don't I don't watch TV at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really go out to clubs, you know. Um, my socializing life is, you know, maybe throwing an event or having a class. <coughs> just your work. Yeah, just my work, man. Like I socialize all day. Like I literally do shit I did since I was 10 years old. Like, I feel yeah. like I'm cutting hair back in my room in Clear Lake. Only thing I'm missing now is the bunk beds and, <laughs> you know, about five dudes laying on the top. Nice yeah, you know, like, man, those are good old days back in Clear Lake. Anybody listening to this? Y'all know the, the old Clear Lake days back on Bowie? Oh, man, it used to go down back then, man. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I just kind of, I, I really live in the hole, dog. I get updated on pop culture through clients and students and you know scrolling through the internet just like everybody else but i kind of i stick to myself for the most part man yeah raising your kids and my family my two Absolutely. boys jacob and oe and my wife the one man yeah yeah for sure so like when i'm not working i'm just focused on the family because yeah. my work takes a whole lot of time. Like, this is my off day, but work still has to get done. I mean, that's why you do it, right? Yeah, so yeah. that I can so I can be there for my family, so I can show my kids, that, man, you got to sacrifice so I can show my wife, man. Yeah. You know, a real man that's going to leave, even when, you know, there's some resistance. Like, I still got to do what I got to do. I got to stick to the agenda because this is going to strengthen all of us. Has this, any of this rubbed off on your kids? You know, yeah. Your oldest one into meditating? Or yeah, man. Story, yeah, man. My my oldest son, Jacob, he's six and a half, and he's he's so much like me, but nothing like me, man. He's he's He looks just like me, uh, but he's real skinny. I was kind of chubby as a kid, and he's real silly and goofy like me. Like, he's a comedian, literally. Like, he does stand-up comedy. I ever told you about that? Yeah, I think it was yeah, at a talent man, show. Yeah, right? man, like talent show, that kid stand up at the church, man. Like if it's a, enough people, you tell jokes and you got to pay them, though. And so, yeah, man, my my kids, they uh, they they come to the yoga studio with me all the time, man. I definitely 
uh, bring that home with me also. Like, you know, we pray before every meal. We pray, we say, wake up. You know, we say our prayers before we go to sleep. You know, we meditate. Um, you know, they see me doing it. I used to be the the weirdo in the middle of the room, you know, meditating. But now, you know, my kids, they just look at it like, like it's an accessory. They jumping all over my shoulders, and I'm still just kind of meditating in the middle of the room. Zone, yeah, I'm yeah. staying in my zone. And so, man, I don't – my yoga is, like, all over everywhere I go. I just, I just remember, like, man – I'm not just preparing for life while I'm at the studio. You know, there's always opportunities in my day to continue to prepare for for life. So, I'm always looking for ways to to bring in some type of like clarity or mindfulness into my household. And yeah, with my kids, man, they come to the studio with me, man. You know, they practice, go to kids yoga and all that stuff. Yeah, that's fire. That's definitely one thing I never thought about introducing to a, a child's life from a young age. Typical things like sports, reading, mm-hmm. you know, yoga is pretty unconventional. Yeah. Um, I remember scrolling through your feed. You shared a video of a school who, an elementary school, they implemented meditation into their detention program. Mm. And it would allow the kids to reflect on what they did wrong, why it was wrong. And there would be instructors to talk them through the meditation rather than just having them sit there with their eyes closed. Mm. And then it was powerful enough to where in that video... I believe the next year they had zero suspensions after that. Hmm. It's really powerful to see from a young age to just how powerful. I, I've been using that word a lot, but how strong it's powerful, of an bro. impact yeah. yoga can have. Man, I wish I had somebody that knew a fraction of the stuff I knew. I know now when I was growing up, man. To just to have um, self awareness to not have to fit in and not have to feel like I got to compete. Like, man, like my kids, they don't really, like they're young, but they kind of understand, like, man, I'm not really trying to prove nothing to you. Like, like I can be who I am. If you like me, cool, but I'm not trying to prove anything. So, man, for kids to start having that type of awareness at a young age, man, it'll it'll stop you from making a whole bunch of mistakes because you'll see people doing things that you may want to participate in and then maybe you do and you realize it ain't necessarily for me or you may just learn from the stuff that they're doing and you can like visualize, okay, they're doing it, they're making mistakes, they're getting in trouble, I don't have to do that. Mm, you know, yeah. so it, that projection is what they're developing and they don't even realize it. That's like true. my six-year-old is the most cautious kid in the world. Like he... Like, that's not for me. I'm not yeah, doing. like, I'm not doing that. They playing too rough over there, daddy. I'm going to go play over here. I'm, yeah. You know, he has his own vibe, man. Like, he's the coolest kid at the school, but Sounds he doesn't like even it. realize it because yeah. he's into, like, reading books and, you know, telling jokes and Pokemon and Sonic and Super Mario Brothers and yeah. just drawing. Like, he's an artsy-fartsy kid. And I wasn't like that because we grew up different. Yep. But... You know, he beats to his own drum, man. Like, I've never forced my son, my six-year-old, I've never really forced him to be an athlete. Like, we put him in basketball two seasons ago, and he kind of hated it. And I was like, cool, fine, I don't mind. Like, you got other talents that I'll nurture. You know what I mean? So uh, kids need to to be involved with anything mindful, and whether it's yoga or whether it's just reading or whether it's just sitting still, you know, under the guidance of – you know, adults that are doing the same thing so they can learn from example, man, kids need that. Yeah, that's definitely something that, you know, people don't really know about you is how, obviously to every man, how important family is. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said, and I believe 
when you were being filmed with folklore films to shoot a little documentary, yeah, you said a quote that uh, I used the things that I wasn't given to change the direction of my parenting now. Yeah. So to instill this mindset into your children at a young age is good because I feel like in the future, you know, they won't feel like they need to conform or do what everyone else is doing because like how you are with how you feel the energy with the next step you're going to take, you know, they're going to do what they feel like is right for them. So that's real dope that everything's come together and it comes out in your parenting and then you can influence the people that matter to you the most and, you know, in the best way. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Um, Yeah, and with that quote, man, like, not a shot at my parents, because like I said, they did the best they could, you know what I mean? But times, too. Yeah, but because of the stuff I didn't have access to, I I realized, like, man, I can still get what I want. I just have to learn how to maneuver around some of these, like, obstacles in my life. Doesn't mean that I can't have it. It just means I got to be clever enough to understand another way to it, and so... Yeah, I guess I was just touching on that, man. I, I can I can get anything in life just like we all can, yeah, even though, you know, your parents didn't have it. Don't mean that you can't have it. Absolutely. Just because yeah. you grew up in a broken home don't mean that you got to repeat the same thing. So, yeah, man, my, learn from it. yeah, my parenting skills are, you know, they're they're shaky at best. But, you know, I'm, I realize that all parents are doing the best they can. And so just because my parents did the best they can and it wasn't perfect, you know, I get a chance to kind of reinvent my parenting through learning from some of their mistakes. So yeah. raise your family your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel you on that. So I, I feel like we we touched on everything, man, from the beginning to where yeah. we're sitting right now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what's next wild. for you? What's man, the what's the you know what's next for me is you know now that I'm kind of settled into this space, yep. I really feel like this is the beginning every time i move to a new level in life it's always the beginning so this is no different man i'm just i'm just being aware of this opportunity to create something new and then whenever it's not new anymore i'll have another creation that i'll be working on but for right now man i'm grinding on um you know the yogi barber warren brand you know which is which is more than just cutting hair and yoga, man. It's more so a lifestyle thing. So, man, I got a lot of things that I'm trying to, that I'm about to start experimenting with. Like, I got a, I got a lot of um, secrets that, you know, I'm going to start talking about, man. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I really want to try my hand at because I realize I literally can do anything, dog. Like, I'm not just saying that because somebody told me. Like, I'm realizing, dang, fool, if I want to, do this you all you gotta do is just do it you know what i'm saying you know on the surface more teaching you yeah. know more cutting uh more events um and just giving back more any way i can dog yeah absolutely you know, not trying to be too vague and shit no, but man. you know what i mean just i take it one day at a time man this is what i'm doing today tomorrow i may be doing something else yeah you know what i mean so i'm not trying to put myself in no box this is just what i'm doing right now because I'm having fun with it, and then whenever I, something else, you know, inspires me, then I'll do it. And you know, I may not be cutting hair one day. I may not be teaching yoga in the studio or in my own space one day. I may be doing something totally different. Yeah. But all of those, you know, all those other skills, they're never going to leave me. I'll just carry them over into the next field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you're killing it right now with the branding. You know, Appreciate everything's you, on point. The selling cologne sprays man that's everything no i'm just 
I'm just having fun, dog. Like the colognes and the, the candles, the room sprays, man. Big up to Man Ready Mercantile. Yeah. They're the kings of candles and apothecary, man. They collab with me. So now I have like my own signature scent. And so just through. Man, that's live. Yeah, just through cutting hair and yoga, man. Now I'm able to get involved with, you know, other shit like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, just off the re- relationships that I built, man, I'm just experiment with different things yeah. here and there so that you know there's a lot of other stuff that i want to get involved with man it's only the beginning yeah yeah for sure no doubt but all right bro uh appreciate you being on man the yeah hell yeah hell yeah, yeah. anthony it's fun to be loud though. i'm happy yeah. for you fool thank you man. hell yeah i can't appreciate wait to it, i can't wait to hear the the other interviews that you put together man it's gonna be special dog. You, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to support the homie and and doing what he wants to do though just like you've been supporting me for years bro that's just how this that's how the it works man you give and you get you get back tenfold bro so i'm hoping i'm i'm giving you just as much as you've given me man straight up i appreciate that yeah 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 Yeah, this definitely won't be the last time you're on so next time you got something coming up yeah yeah appreciate y'all listening to the first episode of locals podcast and peace Peace, out peace out now